1: I'm Kevin H. I'm Kevin C. And I'm a Seth. And this is the Dark, Dark Windows, Windows Podcast. Podcast.
0: So just a disclaimer, we are going to talk about some things that people might not be super comfortable with. We're going to use some language, a language that people are not going to be super comfortable with. That's adult language. So, Expletives. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Or not. That's cool too. What's going on, everybody? Howdy do, internet. Go. What's going on? We are back again. Um, We're going to just talk about real quick um wanted to thank everybody over at studio headphones so if you go to studio.com and uh you find a awesome pair of headphones which you will oh you mean like the sweet ones that you fine gentlemen have yeah buddy we got Mm. the we have the Regent, which are um auxiliary or bluetooth they are awesome they're super comfy the uh so like for example if you have uh if you have you have them connected, like, Bluetooth to your phone, and you plug them into your computer to listen to something real quick, and you unplug them from your computer, the the lag time from auxiliary to Bluetooth is, like, nothing. It's just in your back on Bluetooth. It's super cool. Um, but once you throw them in your cart and you go to checkout, if you put in dark windows at checkout, you get... Fifteen percent off, one five percent off.
2: Dude, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Actually, that is awesome.
0: You know, fifteen percent doesn't sound like a lot, but when they're you know the headphones are like a hundred bucks, it knocks off quite a bit.
2: Well, yeah, and you're also paying for quality, which I can clearly tell from sitting over here yeah. because
0: hey, do both your little earmuffs work? Yep. Hmm. And you've tried these out before and you liked them. Yeah. One day I'm gonna get a pair that actually where my earmuffs will work. The until cool, then, I'm gonna keep staring lovingly at yours. The cool thing with uh, with the Regent that we have is the uh, the little like outside cap. You can replace that with different colors, um, but they've got the Regent, which is what we have, which are the over the ear. They have a couple of different um, Bluetooth variants where they go in, and they have like the little remote cable. Like my, my wife has a pair of those, and she loves them.
2: A uh, listener of the show, Nick, has those ones that are the Bluetooth ones that go in the ear yeah. and have a sweet little remote to them. Which yeah, and the, I'm he not has gonna the, lie. It was awesome. These
0: ones that have, like, the hook to, like, keep them over your ear, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which is, I was thinking about, I'm like, man, if I, my, obviously, my next phone and all other stuff, when I get super high tech with all this stuff, I'm going to pick up a pair of those. Yep. And Luckily, they, I know a sweet promo code.
0: And they also have a completely Bluetooth earbud model, which is probably going to be my next big purchase because they look Awesome. Looks so cool. Um, but speaking of cool stuff. Hmm. There's a cool stuff here. And his name is Seth. And he's got stuff to talk about.
2: Me? Cool? Yep. Bruh. Come on. So. You're with, cool as shit. Sometimes. What he's referring to is. If you're into miniature painting. Or you know somebody who is into the miniature painting world. Such as myself. I got a cool little tool for you. The tool is the hobby holder. Now. I know I've said it before, and I keep saying it again and again, folks, and I'm just waiting for that time for somebody to actually listen to me and be like, hey, he was right. The Hobby Holder is a two-in-one little tool where it has a handle and a rotating base that clips in, and it allows you to be able to get every little angle, piece, and part to your miniature, and it's amazing because if you're a miniature painter like myself, you have difficulty trying to get these odd angles of said miniature, so you're like, man, I'm just." messing it up all over here and I need I, I gotta figure out something to do well you get this little guy and it will help you out every step of the way and you will literally see your ability and what you're able to do jump leaps and bounds now once you go there you figure out other cool stuff that you like you can actually put in the promo code broadstone folks spelt it once spelt it twice spelt it however many dang times i've been on the show <laughs> Do I need to keep doing it? Yep. I think you should. Uh,
0: every time when I think I'm gone, they pull me right back in, guys. Take a deep breath in through the nose.
2: That sweet promo code is a Broadstone. It's B-R-O-A-D-S-T-O-N-E. You put that at a checkout, and guess what, folks? You save yourself some money, and that money is $2 off each. Each hobby holder. Not your total. Not the total. Each. That's Mr. Kevin H., Mr. Kevin C., and our lovely guest. Quote-unquote lovely. <laughs> no quotes. All all love. Everybody saves uh, money on their hobby holder, each individual hobby holder, which is pretty fantastic. Also, check them out because they have amazing other things, which I am personally going to be ordering many more sweet things from them here in the future. All right. So, uh, let's get on with the show. So, oh, this boy. week,
0: what are we... Uh, what I are we talking about? about? Yeah, what are we talking about this week? It's get two uh, two crazy guys, right? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little spoiler alert out here right now. It's gonna be this week and next week because Ooh. there is another dose. Parter, there's no way two that I could folks? no way or, I could or or have done this, this in one. It's gonna be a
1: three parter because you have a lot, of, dude. a I'm, lot of notes,
0: bare minimum two. um, because uh, after listening to a bunch of shows be done by uh, done by our lovely wonderful friend justin rimmel who makes me angry with the amount of research that he does i'm like you know what i'm gonna do that this time (laughs) so so this week next week and god only knows how many episodes this is gonna be we are going to talk about the north hollywood bank shootout
2: oh boy
0: yeah um it's gonna get deep yeah i'm sure a lot of people have actually heard about this um some haven't some haven't exactly um but for me this is kind of when I was this happened when I was a kid. I was like nine years old when this happened, and this was kind of what got me into that first my kind of first taste of
2: true crime of and true everything. crime
0: and seeing something like this happen because yeah you know, I was what oh geez six years old when the whole thing with OJ Simpson happened. This was ninety seven, so I was I was not quite ten yet when it happened.
2: Wow, well, I was thirteen. So
0: this was kind of my first. You like, do
2: the math, folks. I was born in eighty four. I can't count.
0: <laughs> this this was my first. Uh, introduction to like a big national like crime story. Yeah, it. that
2: there was something outside of Vermont and Vermont news because right. you knew there was other things going on, but this is the first time like I remember being scared and like what is happening right now.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was insane. Um I'll just say I was
1: seventeen. And then I- you would were-
2: we get it. You're old. You were able to drink. You were able to drive. No, You no. were partying like it was 1999. Actually, I wasn't it was 17. Only 1997.
1: <laughs> I was I was literally like days away from turning 17. I was
0: days. Yeah. This, this happened on the
1: 28th. I was days.
0: Yeah, you were Yeah, less than a week from... Yeah. I was five days. And he's going to party like it's 1997. 90, Shit, that doesn't work good. Mm-mm. Um, But we're going to... This first episode, we're going to kind of start out talking. um, I went into a lot of detail on the backgrounds
2: of these guys. Which is awesome, because a lot of times people just talk like a little snippet of them, and then they then jump into like what happened, rather than... Right.
0: They they focus more on the event itself. They don't focus on the lead up to it and why it happened. Exactly. Um, Okay, so we're going to start off with Larry Phillips Jr., our lead dirtbag scumbag asshole whatever you want to call him
2: i like lead dirtbag that's actually pretty good because we'll we'll,
0: we'll go with lead dirtbag then
2: the one who orchestrated it all
0: yeah yeah he was the the ringleader of this shit circus all right yeah let's start with him he sounds like a douche so larry phillips jr was actually born larry eugene warfel and he would actually use this name until he was 17 years old warfel 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 He was born uh, September 20th, 1970 in Los Angeles, California. He was born to his mother, Barbara Allen, and his father, Daniel Ira Warfel.
2: That is a mouthful of a name.
0: Yeah. Um, We're going to kind of, it's not going to seem like an important detail because it really isn't, but it kind of gives you a little bit of a background into the kind of people that raised this guy. Uh, They gave their home address as 1332 South Bond Street, in Los Angeles.
2: Okay, seems like a normal address.
0: The thing is that it actually doesn't exist. Wait, um, what? Yeah, I I, w- I looked into it, and uh, Bond Street, where that like address number would have been, okay. would actually be in the parking lot of the Staples Center, like where the uh, Clippers and the Lakers play.
2: Wait, Wait, wait. They gave the address of a parking lot.
0: Yep blues brother style.
2: That's kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> in a like a dumb roundabout way, that's actually when you think about it, it's kind of like
0: But I mean, I I did look I did some like Google Maps stuff for it if the, you were to extend Bond Street through Okay. Like where the Staple Center parking lot is, it the address would have actually been like right in like in the parking lot if it had existed. But I mean, the Staple Center's been there for quite a while, so I don't think that that uh the house was, mean, like,
2: knocked down or something. Really, it was like a tent. Like, those little weird, like, little, uh, what is it, pop-up tent things. They yeah. just park there, and they're living there. Like, the people that you get, like, at a Walmart or, like, the... Home tra- Depot. Home Depot, yeah. They literally just, they're like, oh, we're living here now for a couple days.
0: Yep. Um, So, his father, Daniel, listed his occupation as uh, as a truck driver from Colorado. And his mother, Barbara, said that she was from Utah. Okay. Doesn't doesn't list a occupation or anything, She could have been a stay-at-home mom yeah.
2: or, you know, a couple... couple odd jobs here or there
0: right um all of this is a lie the occupations the address the names everything is a lie except for the state the states where they said they come from wait why nah the reason for all the lies and stuff is the the parents were actually covering the fact that they were on the run from the law uh Oh, boy. Yeah, right. Uh, Larry Sr. was arrested in his hometown of Denver, Colorado for desecrating a grave in 1967. Fun guy. That? Yeah, right. It was, uh, I'd read some stuff where it was on a, uh, it was on uh, uh, like a dare and he was going to like dig up a grave and take the head off a corpse. Okay. It, no offense.
2: If you guys dare me to do that, I would look at you and be like, "You guys are idiots." Yeah, if you like, want me to do you. anything, I will <laughs> lay on the grave. I will drink a beer with them. I'll pour one out for the homies that ain't here now, Mo. Yeah,
0: I'm not gonna like dig but, it up. And we that, did have it, we did have a guy that did that here uh, ten years ago up in Milton. But still, though, it doesn't make any sense. Well, except he dug it up and he used the skull as a bong because he was a freak. People yeah, stupid. Well, anyway. He was uh he was sent to the state reformatory in uh, Buena Vista and uh he was paroled in nineteen sixty eight and shortly after he was paroled he decided, Hey, I got a great idea. I'm gonna rob me a gas station. because,
2: well, you know, when you get out of jail or you know you're freshly paroled, you need money. You need money to get home, you need some food. Yeah. Maybe it, it's that So circle. gas station's
0: got everything you need. Yeah, it's the circle of life of a scumbag, like yeah. we said before. Like off air. <laughs> the circle of life
2: to be a douchebag Uh,
0: okay so with with all that being said with the the lies and misleading that his parents did it it's all very important because it kind of shows you where he got his start of being like a pathological liar and a criminal and
2: well yeah he's got two great i hate to say use the word great but he has two great resources on how to lie, cheat and steal in right. his own parents. Eddie
0: Guerrero style.
2: No, Eddie Guerrero was awesome <laughs> and he will forever be awesome. This guy should never have his name anywhere no. near Eddie Guerrero. The uh,
0: the other thing that his his father kind of like hammered into him from a very young age is uh treat the police as an enemy. Don't don't ever approach the police if you're in trouble. If you need help, don't ever call the police. Handle it yourself. They are your enemy.
2: So, literally breeding this, at this time, poor innocent child, probably, they were let's be honest, probably abusive towards him, probably were neglecting him, but instilling the fact of cops are enemies, everyone's out to get you, lie, cheat, steal, win.
0: Right. I didn't see anything about, like, physical abuse in his past, but I know his, his dad was just, like, not there for most well, of it.
2: Cause... But I'm not, like, physical abuse, I mean, just, like, overall abuse. Yeah. Like, you know, verbal abuse, probably neglect. There's other forms of abuse. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Um, so, from October 27th of 1969 to September 27th of 1976, the the Phillips family just kind of cuts contact with everybody and dropped completely off the radar. Uh, there, the mom is no longer in contact with her family. Uh, Larry Senior is no longer in contact with his family. They just vanished. into So the,
2: essentially, it's like cut all, like you're saying, cut all ties. Yep. Go off the grid of an incentive. Oh boy! Yeah, this uh, poor kid never had a chance.
0: No, no. Um, she remarried a man named Alton O'Neill. Um, this part's not real important to Larry's history, but I found it fascinating. Um, again, all uh, the, the same guy. This uh, Alton O'Neill, same kind of story as, uh, as Larry Senior, where he wasn't what he said. He well, wasn't what he claimed to be. Um, so
2: on the dirtbag level, he's still in the middle of the road. Not really super high, but not really low. See, I don't know if he's
0: even really a dirtbag or if he just is kind of more he's, of
2: an idiot. He's kind of an oddball. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Alright, he does oddball then.
0: It, by all accounts, he was an outgoing, personable guy. Um the weird thing is he would tell people some people, he would tell some people that he was a doctor then you tell doctor doctor then he would tell some other people that he was a pilot and a sniper that worked for the cia
2: well yeah because you know that makes sense
0: i don't know if you're the if you're doing both at the same time like flying a plane and shooting people uh, with a rifle because that'd be pretty fucking rad i want that o- job
2: yeah dude that's medal of honor and call of duty <laughs> kevin's trying at this to guy. figure
0: out the logistics of how you do that yeah <laughs> And, of course, he's smoking a cigarette while he's trying to shoot people out of an airplane that he's flying. Well, you can do that.
1: Because you could have it hanging out of your mouth. Well,
0: if, unless you're too high up and you have an oxygen mask.
1: No, no, you're not going to be that high up. But you could do it. You just have to have the window open. You have to keep it real steady. Or you drive it with your
0: knee. How do you shoot innocent women and children? Just don't lead them as much. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um... Okay, so back to uh, back to Alton O'Neill. Um, so, September 18th of 1988, uh, as Mr. O'Neill was approaching his apartment on North Burlington Avenue in Echo Park, an unknown person stepped from the shadows and shot him in the head at a distance of about 10 to 20 feet with a 12-gauge shotgun. Damn. Killing him instantly.
2: It's like some sort of mob hit.
0: Yeah, like maybe maybe he wasn't bullshit maybe he did work for the CIA and he got out and this is like, I don't think they would
2: pull that kind of thing. I think they would do something oh yeah? else yeah. now. That's way, that's way <laughs> to a front. I think this was a drug deal gone wrong or something.
0: Oh, where was it again? Uh, North Burlington Avenue in Echo Park, which I believe is in LA somewhere in that neighborhood. So we're going to go back a little bit in time because th- this was all after Larry had, had left the picture. He'd moved out of his mom's house. And then when this guy was killed, Um, So back in 1976, uh, Larry Jr. and his mom were living in Kiowa, Colorado. And uh, Daddy Larry stopped by to celebrate his son's birthday. Yay! Yeah, I believe it was his seventh birthday. Try to be less dirtbaggy. Yeah, you know, maybe just stop by and make an effort to be like, Hey kid, how you doing? Here's a a ball glove or something. Um, I play soccer, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, you can still use a baseball glove. You're fine. Uh, So as he's sitting there, uh, I'm assuming eating cake with a funny little hat on the uh, a bunch of FBI agents kick the door down and arrest his ass in front of his son
2: for birthday. Say goodbye to your dad.
0: Yeah. I, and I think this kind of further put that. Uh, uh, don't trust the police thing into his head. When you see your dad get arrested in front of you when you're a kid.
2: Oh, it makes total sense. I, I wonder mean, if someone in the family a member or a friend or someone who was at the party just was like,
0: eh, you know what? I don't like this guy. Yeah. There's a rumor that that uh, Barb herself actually called the FBI and said, "Hey, uh, Larry's going to be here for the birthday party. Maybe to, you know, get him out of her son's life permanently, so she could try to have him, you know, let him have a normal childhood."
2: Yeah, because I also wonder if maybe he was going there randomly to show up and be like, "I want my son. Like, he's going to come live with me that, now." That's another
0: possibility. Yeah,
2: and maybe she did do it.
0: Yeah, maybe she had like a feeling like he's he's going to come try to take my son away. I got to get rid of this asshole. And yeah. like,
2: um, there's a wide variety of different possibilities. The only one that I know are the, the person the, who called the
0: FBI. Yeah, exactly. The people that called and the FBI agents that kicked the door down. But I mean, well, hold on.
1: But before you continue, yeah, well, yeah. what if there's a more logical explanation? Like like they were
2: actually surveilling him. That's true. That's possible, too. It's not a logical. It's
0: just another option. Logicals. I guess probably but he he definitely had warrants out for his arrest. Um yeah, but if she was a pathological liar as well,
2: why would she call the cops? Because if he wanted to take the son away, it's there have been reports where it's happened before. It's not just in TV movies. Yeah. Where yeah. if somebody's a dirtbag and they're like, "No, he I want my son. I want my kid. This is my kid too. You don't get to have him." If it was a bad separation, then what will happen is is that she could call him and be like, "Hey, He's coming to my house. I don't... I mean, he's not invited. They could have had a huge fight and he could have been... She could have told him, no, you're not invited, not invited. And then he just shows up.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, it's also possible that they did have him under surveillance. We we will never know. No. Um, But I mean, even, even as like growing up as a kid from the... Like your earliest memory being like your dad saying, don't trust the police. Don't trust authority figures because... They're not good people. And then on your like seventh or eighth birthday, whenever it was to have a bunch of dudes kick your fucking front door in and come in and arrest your dad, put him face down on the floor in front of you and handcuff him. That would just, that would drill it into your head to just go, no, these people are, these, these are not good people. They're, you know, my dad's a good guy. These are the bad guys because you know, when you're a kid, your dad is a fucking superhero, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. A lot of times, you know, everyone feels that way about their parents. Yeah. As long as it's in a good, like, stable home, a lot of times you think your parents are one of the best people in your world. Absolutely.
0: Um. So, we're going to pick back up. Uh, in 1986, uh, Barb and Larry Jr. moved back to L.A. Um, she did this trying to maybe offer her son a better life. You know, growing up and, you know, let him maybe, you know, again... Maybe have a normal childhood, you know, Larry actually dropped out of high school in ninth grade. And, uh, this is when he discovered his, uh, his lifelong passion of, uh, competitive bodybuilding. And he did something that I thought was weird. Um, actually you, you worked in a gym, right? Yeah. Okay. Anybody ever buy a five-year gym membership?
2: Generally there are a couple months, a year, couple years. I think at most we did was three years.
0: Which still seems weird to me.
2: Yeah, well, a lot of times, if you buy month to month, it's like a set price, right? And then over that year, it actually is more expensive. But if you buy it in bulk, like you said, so you pay a hundred dollars a year. If you're buying it for five years, it may have been like four hundred dollars. Hmm, okay. So, like you, like we would do run those kind of deals where you buy a couple months, your third month is free, and it will equal out in the end. But you're able to like. Essentially, hook them in, like, buying in bulk. Mm -hmm. So, it's like you're paying this huge, this what seems like a huge price up front, but then when it gets time to, like, overall, it actually spreads itself out because you don't have to keep paying. It just is already there.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. Um, The part that I thought was even weirder for that was, I mean, it was the the Gold's Gym in Venice Beach, which I guess is, like, the Gold's uh, Gym. It's, like, the original or something like that. A lot
2: of... Pro bodybuilders, Arnold Schwarzenegger used to work out there, Lou Ferrigno, Pro uh, wrestlers came out of there
0: too, like uh Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan Sting, Yeah, uh, Ultimate Warrior, all those guys. You know, they would that was their spot. Um The thing that I thought was kinda even weirder was the fact that he lived two hours away from there. So he would drive two hours to go to the gym, work out, go home another two hours back.
2: Well, we get notice and be you know, a part of everybody else. Yeah. If he's looking for that connection with Hopefully, finding these big names and a lot of big pro bodybuilders are working out there. He's gonna, I'd be willing to travel there to actually maybe get to see somebody who was a pro bodybuilder at the time.
0: I think it was like maybe like a status thing for him. Like, oh, I go to Gold's Gym in Venice.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, it's an instant like trump card. Yeah. Oh, you work out at Mama Pops down the road? Bro, let's check this out. I'm from, I go to Venice. Yeah. People come and watch me work out.
0: Yeah. Cause he was that kind of guy where he, he was he was a douche for lack of a better term. Um, so after after years and years of trying to get into like the get onto like the competitive bodybuilding circuits and stuff like that, he realized that he just wasn't cut out for it and let his gym membership lapse. But the most important thing that happened to him while he was at at Gold's Gym in Venice Beach is this is where he would meet his Longtime friend and future
2: BFF in crime,
0: yeah. Future, yeah, partner in crime. There, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, wait,
2: BCF best crime friend,
0: yes, right? That works. (claps) We're putting that on a shirt. (laughs) Um, this is where he would meet Emil Matasarano.
2: Whoa,
0: yeah, that okay. I'm full disclosure every time I put this guy's name in for any part of this, I had to cut and paste because I could not figure out how to put all the weird little, uh, 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 little accents. Yeah. They're like chopped off little u's over all the A's. And I don't know how to do that on my computer, but, uh, yeah. FN key. Yeah. But I don't know which ones are which for that, but, um, is not even his full name either. No, no. His full name is even crazier. Um, but, uh, Phillips found modest because he sought out people that he could, uh, he could manipulate into, he basically would like try to brainwash people into doing what he wanted them to do. He would ter- try to turn people into tools. So,
2: so he's a mental warfare kind of a douchebag.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, he, even like later on in life, like his half brother would go on to say like, yeah, Larry was really, really good at doing stuff like that to people. Like he could just, you know, sit down and talk to you and he would, he would sit there and talk to you. But he wasn't listening. He was figuring you out as he's talking to you.
2: So he's pretty much getting a uh, character profile of who you are, how you are, know your pros, know your cons, and essentially be a sponge to whatever you talk about. He'll agree to it and probably come at you in a sense of... uh, I don't know, not low self esteem, but somebody that's on the same level as you, no matter where you at. Right. And then slowly put the little the little talents into you, a little more, a little more, tighten up a little more, until he has his complete hooks in you. He, he and You a, don't even know what's happening. Until he was it's a too politician. Car salesman.
0: Yep. He. Uh, but yeah, he would he would just manipulate the crap out of everybody that that he would come into contact with, where he's like, I can use you to do this for me.
2: Those people are the most dangerous type of people, in my honest opinion, because Absolutely. they're the type that. Or like a cult leader or could start up their own religion, could go into their shrewd businessmen. Yep. Like those types of people aren't, I don't want to say it, but they, they're on a whole nother level than other people because they're the type that looks at everybody as a piece of the puzzle or as a, on the game board and be like, I can adjust you, I can do this, I can put this here. Mm-hmm. So he's constantly adjusting and changing his plans for what he wants
0: you know what he would have been good at if he wasn't scumbag hmm. he would have been a great like interrogator for like the cia or something where he wouldn't have had to do anything he could have just sat there and talked to you and been like oh hey i know everything about you now you know like he would figure out people's ticks and shit like that like where he could tell they were actually thinking about something or if they were lying about it he was he was good at what he was doing uh so november 3rd of 1990 Uh, Larry got his real estate license uh, with uh, the way they did it was a little weird. They actually issued him his license before he passed his third and final exam and before he passed his background check.
2: He probably pulled some strings and, you know, made it seem like, oh, I'm worth it. Don't worry.
0: But it was all this was also during like a big like real estate boom in L.A. So these companies would have been like, we need somebody licensed to go out and sell this place. We know you are not, quote unquote, qualified to do it. But here's your license. Go sell that place. We'll give you your commission. But he uh, he kind of had some stuff to come back to bite him in the ass when it came to the uh, the background check, because in 1989 he got arrested for shoplifting uh, like four hundred to five hundred dollars worth of suits for a ma from Sears. Hmm. So, you know, he's maybe setting himself up to be like, oh, hey, well, shit, I got a got a job interview and I don't have any money and I need a suit.
2: And you walk if if he has a suit or something that looks like a suit, walks in like a briefcase or a bag of from Sears. If depending if it's a part of a mall, he could have a bag from mm-hmm. another store. Walk in, you take one or two. Walk around the corner, no one's paying attention. Take a couple more because I doubt that they had super high level like security cameras and security. Yeah. He probably just got pinched because somebody's like, what
0: the hell are you doing? What's this giant man stealing suits for? <laughs> yeah, this dude that's like
2: the size of a house.
0: Yeah, because I mean, that's, that's the other thing you have to like remember going forward with these guys is they were both bodybuilders. They were big fucking dudes. Which, you're, if you're that big, spend the money,
2: get it tailored to you because let's be honest, Lou Ferrigno's cool. But you're never going to be as cool as Lou Ferrigno when he's ripping through shirts, when he's
0: hulking out. And- my, my first thought was that uh, was Chris Farley and Tommy Boy.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> that guy RP. in a little coat,
0: except he's not fat. He's just got shoulders the size of a fucking car. Um, so this little excursion to Sears uh, ended up costing him three days in jail and 12 months of probation. Yeah, It's not too you know, bad. It's shoplifting. It's not like he, you know, was in there eating babies or something. Um, but you have to start somewhere. This is true. So and this is kind of where he starts and then he escalates very quickly Uh, after having his real estate license suspended because he obviously failed the background check. He felt like it was uh, it was pretty much that was it for him work uh, having a normal work life. He's like, well, I tried. So I'm just going to go do what I know how to do, what I learned to do from my dad. I'm going to go be a crook. Well, why not?
2: You know, if it works out for your parents, you know you always have that to fall back on. And the one thing he probably thought he was good at and he failed at, automatically, oh, poor me, oh, woe is me. I'm the victim here, so screw everybody.
0: Yep, but he doesn't go the same way that his dad does. He kind of crosses the streams of what he was doing and turning into a criminal. He decides to set up his own business, his own quote-unquote, finger-quotes, real estate business. All right. So it was not exactly legitimate. He was uh, he was still making money though, because he would find uh, empty properties and he would put up a sign for his company, uh, Capital West Investments.
2: Strong, solid name. Sounds, right. sounds legit.
0: Sounds legit. Exactly. It doesn't sound like you know, uh, you know, Uncle Joe's uh, house selling or whatever. It's it sounds legit.
2: Empty cup house sales.
0: <laughs> so he would uh, he would find these empty buildings. Or even sometimes he would take other real estate agents' signs down and put his up there. I love that kind of shenanigans. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm selling this house. Get out of here. But what he would do is is he didn't claim to be selling the house. He was renting it. So he would go, oh, he would get a call be like, oh, so you're interested in, uh, in the property at yada yada Elm Street. Cool. Well, I'll come down and talk to you. You have your uh, your first month, your last month, and your security deposit ready. We'll get you right in there. So he did this a couple of times where he would take these people's money for their, their deposit to move into the place where, I mean, I don't know. Around here, you're looking oh, at probably, boy. I mean, a thousand bucks, whatever, for everything like that. Out in LA, you're probably looking at like three to four grand, something like that, to get moved into a place.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I I don't even know.
0: So, I mean, he's he's done this a couple of times and he's he's gotten away with a decent little chunk of money. Uh, but after a few times screwing people over they finally get a hold of the police and uh the police you know they get their stuff together and they're like okay we're gonna raid this uh this capital west investments company we're gonna arrest the guy that's doing all this stuff so they get there and uh building is completely empty larry is nowhere to be found
2: well yeah i I probably i bet that he would probably just bounce it around like the building he did use it was just a front of like random exactly like you have one table, one chair, a couple nondescript pictures that you could find uh, a you know, computer. Yeah, that really didn't even work. You just sit there. Computers,
0: <laughs> clicking. Enhance. Enhance. Um, so completely and utterly unfazed by the near miss, he uh, he sets up shop again. Except this time, the cops are onto his shenanigans, and they're like, you know, they they finally did end up uh, end up busting him. Um, that part is really not super important because it gets into like court dates and yada, yada, back and forth with lawyers and all that shit. Um, there is a rumor that said that he did have a pretty heavy duty fine to pay off for a lawsuit somewhere in the area of about $450,000. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Especially back in the late eighties, early nineties. That was a huge amount of money. So now we're gonna we're gonna go into Emil Matasaranu. Um, and then at the end of talking about him, we're gonna kinda get back into more about how they got together and what happened after they did. So Emil Matasaranu was born Dechibal Stefan Emilian Matasaranu.
2: That is the <sighs> longest name I've ever heard today.
0: Yeah. And of course I'm looking at it the first time and go. De-cobble? What the fuck kind of name is DeCabble? And I was like, oh wait, no, it's it's pronounced De-c-e-ball, So, But he was born uh, July 19th, 1996 in Timasora, Romania. He was the only child born to his mother uh, Valeria and his father.
2: Wait, his mom's name is Valeria? Yep. Like the flu? Uh,
0: V-A-L-E-R-I-A. Hmm. Yeah. Cool yeah, name. It's kind of a nice name. In his father's name, I'm gonna butcher this, and I'm sorry. Voreal, V-I-O-R-E-L.
2: Oof. Yeah. Uh, Win. I'm giving you the points of that is said correctly. Dude,
0: my fucking Romanian's a touch rusty, but I think it. We'll go with that. Um, So his mother was actually a member of the uh, of the state opera. Oh. Which was cool, because that was back during uh, you know Iron Curtain and all that. So you had. You know, you're hurt. anything you did was for the state. There was no individual individual. Business. Yeah, exactly. So as he when he was growing, uh, ooh, OK, she was a member of the state opera and having grown up, uh, tired of the regime in Romania, she decided to uh, decide at this point in time, it's, it's time to defect. We're going to I'm getting the hell out of here. And uh, while they were on tour in Italy, she defected in 1974. Um, Emil and his dad stayed in Romania for two more years. Um, eventually, joining her in the United States, the family ended up settling down in uh, in Pasadena, California. Uh, his father went to work for Gilbert Engineering, and his mother worked as a real estate agent. Kind of weird, right?
2: Yeah, a lot of real estate. Yeah, like, it seems to be running in a uh, theme here.
0: Um, so Emil went to Pasadena High School. Uh, while he was in school, he was bullied pretty intensely. And it's going to... I Don't take this the wrong way, Seth. Yep. Kind of reminds me of what you've told me, how you were bullied in school, even though you are a fucking giant. Because this guy was like... He I was wasn't, like,
2: and I was actually just a fat kid. I've got... Like, my size happened outside of school. No,
0: no, no. But he was like six foot one. And oh, he would, so, get, yeah, the, he would get the shit picked out of him, yeah, you know?
2: That was the same height as me.
0: So, you know, being bullied and being treated like shit pretty much just turned him into a, like a like a recluse. Um. But the thing is he he had a pretty close knit group of friends and none of them really recalled him being bullied at all.
2: So it was probably him just making it up or he's blowing something out of proportion.
0: Yeah, or maybe he's being bullied at home and we don't know that and
2: It could know. happen. Exactly. Like the other guy.
0: Uh, so he he kind of he passed through high school you know, kind of just as you know, hell yeah, I know that guy. You know, he, nobody really paid any attention to him if he, he was, was just there, he was a guy
2: yeah if he was there they knew him if he wasn't there like one of those people like eh, it was about as exciting as toast yeah exactly one of those people that you're like like not good toast like not even like cool <laughs>
0: wonder bread like that stuff that you find like the package doesn't even say what it is it just <laughs> says bread i've never seen bread in a, in a fucking paper bag before pretty much he was essentially that guy that you went to high school with that out of nowhere like would send you a friend request on facebook and you're like Oh yeah, I think I I think I remember that guy. Like, do we go to school together? <laughs> yeah, we we've all had that before.
2: Not me. I don't have Facebook. Remember, we've gone Free. over this.
0: Uh, but mo- most of the people that were asked about him, uh, they remembered him having you know being you know a helpful, nice guy, uh, pretty sociable, and he supposedly, I guess, he had a really good sense of humor. Um. So in uh, in 1982, his mom applied for her state care license so that she could take care of. De- <sighs> So that she could take care of developmentally challenged adults, which was a very, very lucrative business at the time.
2: Um, Again, that's kind of an admirable quality. Come from another country, and the first thing you want to do is take care of what most people see as the trouble cases or right. the, the difficult cases.
0: Yeah, the you you do this. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. But she was bringing in anywhere between thousand and four thousand dollars a month doing this. A month. A month. Not including not including her real estate stuff. Wow, it's not a bad chunk of change. But after a pretty quick period of time, they ended up moving into a new house on Sinaloa Avenue, which is where uh, Valeria began taking care of six male clients. Uh, they named the <laughs> they ended up naming the business Valeria's Villa, just kind of cute, you know, whatever. Um, Emil would he would actually help his mom out with some of the clients. He uh, they were described as high functioning disabled adults. Um, he he was. It was also extremely happy that you know Emil was like pumped that the house had a pool, because you got to remember you go from growing up in a communist country where you're eating rock soup for dinner, and now you got a fucking pool. Yeah, you're living in you're, like the best country in the world where your old pool was essentially a mud puddle. Yeah, toxic sludge pit where you turn into a radioactive pig or something. So over the next couple of years, uh, Emil would actually kind of start to fall in love with one of his big hobbies, which is motorcycles. Oh, I said that weird. Uh, he would fall in love with uh, his one of his bigger hobbies, which was motorcycles. Uh, his bike of choice was a Kawasaki GPZ 550, which I looked into. For, Rock back, Rocket. for back then, pretty badass bike. Really? Yeah, it, I mean, we're not, it's not like, it wouldn't have been like a Ducati or anything, but it was...
1: No such so thing as Ducati then.
0: No, but I mean like like the, the quality comparing. equivalent, like it was... It, it still would have been a, a badass bike.
1: Well, Kawasaki at the time was, was... the. This is
0: true. That's back when Kawasaki was like the shit for motorcycles.
1: Yeah. You had a Kawasaki or you just, you know, or you had... Yeah, because you had
0: Kawasaki, a- Honda. I'm trying to think for like the crotch rockety bikes. He had Kawasaki, Honda, Suzuki. Suzuki. Yeah, some, like those guys. Um, so he ended up bringing it to a shop and having some modifications done to it to, to make it faster. Um. A guy named Kenny that was interviewed in 2009 uh, said that uh, Emil wanted a real fast bike, but his skills were not there. He was the type of guy that he he just he uh, ugh. he was the type of guy that did not want to wait for his skills to improve. He just wanted to be fast and have the best bike. So he's one of these guys where I just want cool shit. I don't care if I know how to use it or not. I want it basically status. You know.
2: Yeah, I work with a guy like that. He just seems to buy all these brand new toys, and he can barely use them, but it's more just a show off.
0: It's like me if I bought an iPad. <laughs> like, oh, look, I got an iPad. I don't know how to turn it on, but I have one. Um, so Emil enrolled in DeVry University in Pomona, which I thought was only online, but apparently it's an actual school. He, uh, he ended up graduating with a three-year degree from an electrical, uh, from an electrical engineering program. Uh, 1988, he, um, he had some kind of big, big shit happen to him. Uh, number one is he graduated from DeVry. Uh, his father put in, his father pushed him into pursuing a master's degree, which he didn't really want to do. Uh, there's really nothing saying that his, his, oh, there's also a story saying that his mother threw him a graduation party and nobody showed up for it except for his like old ass neighbor.
2: Well, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. So it kind of makes kind of makes you wonder about all the the people that were like, "Oh yeah, I was friends with him in high school." Yeah, maybe it's just like after everything happened, they interviewed these people and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I knew him in high school. He was a great guy, and he didn't have any fucking friends actually."
2: Well, yeah, it gets you right on the camera. Yeah, gets you right out
0: front. Because you have to remember, he was he was a uh, like uh, he was an immigrant kid from a, a, a country in Europe, and he probably didn't.
2: Probably spoke very broken English. Yeah. And, very difficult. Was...
0: And this is back when people were like, I don't want to hang out with a weird foreign exchange student, you know? But uh, number two, he actually became a naturalized American citizen, which, you know, good for you. Kick ass. Number three, he found another hobby. And I want to kind of put this out there. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this hobby because I kind of share it with him, not to the same psychotic extent but he became a gun collector uh fascinated absolutely fascinated with guns like of all sorts pistols rifle shotguns stuff like that um and again there's nothing wrong with owning guns at all. all all of us here do it's as long as you're not being an asshole with them it's all that really matters
2: guns are a tool meant for a job not meant as a status symbol
0: exactly and number four emil started his own business uh, he was actually selling computer parts, um, providing service, like working on PCs for people. Uh, he would even kind of dabbled in writing software, like accounting software and stuff like that. They try to sell to local businesses. This kind of proved to be a problem because uh, Silicon Valley was only 300 miles north of him. And this is kind of when it started to...
1: We also like, have this other guy that... Uh, it, these couple other guys already were writing a software. Right. in in california one named bill gates and then then a couple other guys that started this company called apple
0: yeah but like i said that was that was this all that happened like 300 miles north of him so he was kind of like he had nothing for that um so he basically to make any money he had to sell his stuff at the absolute lowest price that he could so he was kind of depressed and whatever with that Now we're going to get into uh, their shenanigans before, like when they started hanging out and being friends. During their travels, they made their way to Littleton, Colorado. On July 20th, 1993, they robbed a a first bank armored car. Uh, Luckily for everybody involved. What's up? Sounds familiar. Yeah. What are you thinking?
1: There's something else that happened there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, six no. years later. Mm-hmm. Same town. Um, yeah. What we're alluding to is that's the town that uh, Columbine happened in, which sucked ass. Um, but they robbed a First Bank armored car. Um, and luckily, there were no injuries to anybody. They kind of, the, the drivers cooperated with them, did exactly what they were told to do. Nobody got hurt, which is excellent. That's a very good thing. October 23rd, 1993, uh, Phillips and Mata were pulled over in a brand new Ford Thunderbird that had uh, had been rented from an airport. Right? So they, uh, for whatever reason, I don't think they'd actually robbed the gas station, but they just kind of like tore ass out of the parking lot and went flying up the road. Uh, Sergeant Ian Grimes pulled them over and... uh, You know, was just going through his his thing, you know, license, registration, proof of insurance, all that horse shit. Phillips kind of gave him like a a bunch of shit about uh, about the car belonging to his mom. And, you know, I forgot my license at home, this, that, the other. And, of course, this whole time, Otisirani was in the passenger seat spouting off just being a dickhead, too. So Officer Grimes orders them, uh, ordered uh, Phillips out of the car and he uh, he patted him down, found a Glock 17 pistol on him.
2: Oh goodness!
0: In California, with an extended thirty-round magazine, which is super fucking illegal in California.
1: Was it illegal at the time?
0: Yes. To have a well, it was not necessarily that the pistol itself was illegal, but the act of carrying it concealed was illegal.
1: Wait, hold on, hold on, when, no, 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 no. Weren't they in? Wasn't this in no, Colorado?
0: The, the, when they got when they got pulled over, they were back in California. They had landed at the airport.
1: Okay. Okay. Yep. I, I was listening so hard. That oh no, no, no worries. Kind
0: of I, that and I didn't really explain that. Listening
2: part of it. so hard, that sounds dirty. <laughs> I was I was listening so intently
1: that uh, that I I knew you said Colorado, and then all of a sudden they got pulled over, and I didn't hear you say the back in California. Mm. Okay.
0: No worries. So while he's talking to Phillips, he hears a thump in the car.
2: <laughs> Rut row.
0: Reaches like sticks his head in and he goes, "You get out too." Tells Modesto Rano, "He's like, you get out too. You come over here." So, the thump was actually the sound of Modesto Glock hitting the floor in the car because he just dropped it and slid it under the seat instead of a normal person where he would have just you know reached under and set it down real quiet, like mm. just fucking thump. He was, a, I think, he was just a giant clumsy fuck. But uh, after disarming both of them, uh, a crew of uh, another couple police officers showed up. And uh, they decided to search the vehicle. Do you have a, a Google thing uh, pulled up on there? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I want you guys to be able to see what I'm talking about, like some of the rifles that I'm telling you about. So while they were searching the car, they found a Polytech semi-automatic rifle with a folding stock. So this is essentially, um, it looked kind of like uh, like an M1 uh, carbine, where like the, the World War I rifle with the folding metal stock. Mm-hmm. So they found one of those that uh, that belonged to Mata Serrano. A Pop, Pop, Norinco, a
1: Polytech M14, you said?
0: Yep. Uh they also found a Norinco MAC-90 semi-automatic rifle, which is a I'm not going to lie, it's a cheap Chinese-made AK. Um with a wooden stock that belonged to Phillips. A Springfield Armory 45 pistol that belonged to Phillips, a Colt 45 pistol that brought, belonged to Matasaranu 1,649 rounds of 762 by 39 ammunition, which would have worked in both rifles. That's a good uh, amount of ammo. Yeah, right? Uh, most of them were loaded into 30-round magazines. There was three Chinese-made 75-round drum magazines loaded with the 7.62 ammo. 967 rounds of 9 millimeter uh, jacketed hollow point ammo, 357 rounds of 45 jacketed hollow point ammo, six smoke bombs, two improvised two improvised explosive devices, a gas mask, two sets of uh, what? Not
2: two gas masks, only one. Just
0: one. Weak. <laughs> two sets of national armor level three uh, level three A vests, which I believe the three A will cover up to like a pistol threat kind of uh, armor would have been hard plate. So it would have stopped like anything up to like a 44, 45, something like that. It would have been a, a rifle, a rifle plate. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: dude has a gun store, like more weapons in his trunk than most gun shops around here. I know. Of. Oh
0: dude, I'm not even done yet. <laughs> what size was this car again? It was a, was a, 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 well, it was a brand new 1993 Ford Thunderbird. Okay,
2: that makes sense. You had, a, could,
0: had a mafia trunk in it. Yeah, I could yeah.
2: fit one of those.
1: Oh, <laughs> t- tell me again. Oh, what was that the pistol again? Of oh, the rifle? The
0: first one, the poly uh, a polytech semi automatic. Uh they also had two two hundred channel portable programmable pro <laughs> two hundred channel portable programmable police scanners.
2: So two police scanners. Yep. <laughs> I'll say it with the easy words. Okay, so it's an
1: AKS uh,
0: 7.62. Yeah, it's they. these guys had an affinity for cheap-ass rifles for whatever reason.
2: Well, you know why? they're cheap. They're, cheap. <laughs> they're effective. You get the job done with them. If they jam up or you lose one or one breaks, you throw it away, you buy another one, and they're easy to throw away, and you probably can't trace them.
0: Remind me about that when I get done reading the list here because I have something I wanted to bring up about that. I will try. Awesome. Scanners had earpieces also. They found four pairs of sunglasses, Two pairs of gloves, wigs, ski masks, a stopwatch, two spray cans of gray studio hair color, three different sets of California uh, car plates, and a sum of uh, $1,620. It's like these guys are secret (laughs) agents. I know, right? It's like this fucking trunk was stuffed with shit. Um, What I was going to bring up is I actually did a little bit of research, and I'm not sure it might have ended me up on a fucking watch list or something.
2: You already are on one. Probably.
0: Uh, the reason that these idiots chose the, the uh, Norinco, the Chinese made AKs, somebody on this little forum I was reading actually said that those are easier to illegally convert to semi-automatic. Yeah,
2: you just grind down a pen.
0: Exactly. Then they're easier than like the um, the European like uh, Soviet bloc country ones were because they're those are actually well made. The Chinese ones are dog shit. So, needless to say, these guys were like armed to the teeth and absolutely prepared for whatever they could they could come into contact with. Um, October twenty sixth, they were fi- they were charged with uh, conspiracy to commit robbery, grand theft auto, unlawful weapons activity, uh, carrying a loaded firearm in a car, carrying concealed. Phillips was also charged with uh, felony perjury, for. Uh-huh giving the cop a bunch of shit and saying oh i forgot my license blah. basically he was lying. he was yeah lying to a police officer um so during the preliminary uh the preliminary hearing hold, um, hold on hold
1: on I got to stop you there huh cuz so wait they were charged with all that other stuff i could see the concealed i could see all that yep arguing with the cop right how the hell did they did the cop did they know and the cop to charge them because you know somehow whatever how'd they know to say okay well hey you guys must be the ones that you know we're gonna rob a bank or you guys you know
0: let me let me put you in this situation you're a cop you pull some jackass over you search his car you find
2: copious amounts of firearms firearms
0: and costumes what do you think this guy's gonna do i'm going to a costume party yeah exactly that's actually what they told this cop is they were going to a costume party and they had the rifles with them because they went to the range earlier and they were shooting. But still, I, I can't argue with the cop for saying for or the judge or whatever for saying uh, we're charging you with cons- with conspiracy to commit robbery. I can't. It, I, the writing's on the wall.
2: The writing yeah. is legit on the wall right there. No I, matter what you say, no matter what you think, everything is right there.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I can't argue with that with that charge. You know, honestly, Um because even nowadays, they'll still do, the,
2: still do the same thing. Right. You have multiple weapons loaded, multiple rounds of ammunition. You have body armor. You have costumes. You have intent. You're giving the officers hassle and trouble, and you know you're not supposed to have concealed weapons, and the, let alone have guns that are loaded.
0: And the the three sets of plates. Yeah. That's like, oh, hey, like we got All that
2: writing is right there on the wall that you're going to be doing something wrong. You're not just going around for a cruise. I'm sorry, I don't care what anybody says. That right there is writing on the wall of something bad will happen at some point in time.
0: Um so on November 8th, the grand uh, the grand theft auto and perjury charges were dropped. Um because the grand theft auto charges they had to drop because the car was legally rented under Larry Phillips' name. So you can't charge him for stealing something that he no. paid for. Um and the perjury charges because they're just like who gives a shit if he was given a cop a hard time. Look at all this other stuff we've got him on. Yeah. Um, so in December of that same year, Phillips was sentenced to 99 days in prison. Matasaranu was sentenced to 71 because I'm not sure why. Uh, both also received... Plea deal. True. Good enough. Um, both also received 36 days of probation after they got out. Uh, so after... Yeah, 36 days. What kind of weird number is that for probation? That's stupid. Um, after completing their sen- sentences, they uh, they essentially went back to work. Uh,
1: that's easy. I want to spend six months in jail and not get out. You know,
2: whatever.
0: Yeah, and then have, you know, a month and a half of probation where I'm not supposed to do anything. Maybe you charge
2: carried a certain number of days of proba- probation. That's
0: that's probably true. Um, I, I'm not... I, I think it's fair to say none of us here are lawyers, but... Oh, do you say 36 days <laughs> or 36 weeks? Days. <laughs> it's a month and a week. <laughs> so you're on probation for July and the first week, of August. That's <laughs> stupid, but... Um, so July 14th of 1995, the uh, in Los Angeles, California, at around 1225 p.m., the two robbed an armored car owned by uh, Brinks. Uh, before making their getaway in a dark blue Chevy Cavalier, they, uh, they, this is the part that kind of sucks is, uh, they ambush the car. Uh, essentially tells the driver, get the fuck out of the, out of the truck. Um, as he's holding the, the driver and the other attendant at gunpoint, the guy who is making the, the cash pickup is coming around, coming out of the building Comes around the back corner of the vehicle, and Larry Phillips just lit him up. Killed Zero him. hesitation, just... instantly killed him. Didn't even think about it. Just pfft, killed him. Grabbed the bag of money, took off. Uh, what an asshole! Yeah, um, the robbery left, uh, as we just said, fifty-one-year-old uh, Herman Dwight Cook uh, dead. He was the the uh, the attendant that was killed. Right,
1: um, there's only one.
0: The only one that was killed. The, uh, uh, Felipe Cortez, who was one of the other, uh, one of the other attendants was injured. They're saying it was, uh, they said it was some kind of a laceration on his face. So maybe, uh, Mata Serrano him, dusted, him, dusted him with a uh, rifle or something like that him out or something. Yeah. Here's another date for you. Uh, nine at nine thirty three AM on March 27th, 1996, Another Brinks-owned armored car was fired at on a street by a pair of would-be robbers. That no way of really confirming whether it was Phillips and Mata Serrano, but it matches up with their mo. It, it matches up with their their way of doing business, essentially. Um, so they the the vehicle was actually fired at from a moving car, uh, a maroon uh, Ford Eco Liner, which is a big like. It's a cargo van. Yeah, if it was white, it would be like a like a you know candy van.
2: Mm. You know,
0: you don't go in the candy van. No, but it was maroon. So, uh, the the driver was slightly injured by flying glass, um, which a lot of people will say, "Oh, is that possible?" They have bulletproof glass. There's no such thing as bulletproof glass. And if bullet resistant. Bullet resistant. Yes.
2: And that's uh, was it Lexan? It's yeah. like uh, kind of like a plexiglass.
0: Yep. And uh, a seven six two round will. Go through uh, essentially anything. I mean, it's th- like these. These.
2: I know one thing you can't go through.
0: What's that? Hobby holder. <laughs> oh, you plug-in bastard! Well done. Um,
2: <laughs> Don't chew your hobby holder, folks.
0: But the uh, the bullet bullet resistant glass is essentially designed for
2: to slow it down and to spider web it. Yeah. So it, it absorbs most of the impact and spreads it out because it's a sheet of plastic. Or basically a glass-like material, plastic, glass-like material, plastic, and it's layered. Right. Thank but you, it, MythBusters.
0: Yes. But it, it's essentially designed to defeat like a, like a pistol caliber. Oh yeah. A, a small seven, round
2: of rifle. Yeah, like. up,
0: up to like a forty four you know, handgun. 7.62 has got an ass load of kinetic energy with it, and it's a heavy round.
1: Well, I mean, plus it's also just it's not. It's civilian grade. It's not military
0: grade. What, the Lexan or the, or the ammunition? The Lexan.
1: Yeah, exactly. The Lexan grade in the those vehicles, I guarantee, is probably a, a civilian grade. It's not military. No. If it's military, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're going to have to shoot that goddamn thing a lot right? before it's going to come well, apart. We,
0: we walk, there's a video of a, a guy that owns a—they um, make armored vehicles for like— uh, politicians and stuff like that where the president of the company sits in this he sits in this uh i think it was like a yukon or something like that he's just sitting in the driver's seat and one of his guys steps in front of him with a fully automatic ak-47 and lights him up not like there wasn't even like flex of glass coming through the other side it just it stopped everything dead
2: that's years of testing and practicing and altering whatever you're doing.
0: Can you imagine how badly that guy's shitting his pants going in there and going, "I have to shoot at my boss. If I, <laughs> what if this doesn't work? I f- <laughs> nail him,
2: I get a raise.
0: <laughs> if I hit him, not only do I go to jail, but I don't have a job <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so here's where where stuff really starts to escalate like big time. This is where they move from. I hate to say small time, but this is where they start like. They start picking up business. This is where they start actually going in and robbing banks. May 2nd, 1996. The two make their escalation to robbing banks over the armored cars because they can start making more money robbing banks. They go into uh, a bank owned by Bank of America at Los Angeles' Van Nuys uh, location. Van Nuys. Is it Van Nuys? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll go with that then. <laughs> um, Probably one of the... Thank you, Nikki Six. The
1: time, largest... Uh... Largest bank in the United States.
0: Yeah, Bank of America was big time back then. Like, I mean, they still are, but they were well, privately or, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, because they got like, I mean, Deutsche and all those, which are
0: and Wells Fargo, yeah, guys like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, but you got ones that are like, are regular people go into them? Yeah, those are more business, like, but Bank of America is like, you know, everyday people go
0: in, right? Um. So the two stormed into the bank at uh, just sometime before 10 a.m. Uh, armed again with automatic weapons, and approximately eight minutes later, they made their getaway with seven hundred and fifty-five thousand forty-eight dollars.
1: Makes sense of the time too, because they just barely opened an hour. Well, that doesn't make any sense either, because there's not. Well, no, it kind of does because lot all all their money is still in there. They've just probably got a delivery. Probably
0: these guys used to do some like heavy duty recon. They would sit. They would sit outside of a bank yeah. for hours at a time every day and watch when the trucks were coming and going, and Is they it, so they would know when to hit them.
1: Yeah, because they probably just got a delivery of any cash or didn't have a ca- any cash from the night before taken out
2: mm-hmm.
1: by an armored car. So there's still a lot of funds there.
2: If there's overnight deli- overnight deposits. Like you yep. have a bag of your deposits, you drop it in the little thing and.
1: Exactly, and that's already been They're going. counted by 10 o'clock, guaranteed, probably. That's it's, uh, still a good chunk of change.
0: Absolutely. Um, then on May 31st, at approximately 10.05, Phillips and Matasaranu walked into another Bank of America-owned building and left with $794,200 this time, putting their grand total for the two robberies at $1,549,248.
2: I'd quit. I'd just stop right there, retire. Right?
0: Fucking Christ. I mean, you divide it by two.
2: Move to a nice rainy climate.
0: Yeah, it's, it's 775 so I can drink grand whiskey a piece. and
2: vodka. Yeah.
0: Move to Central America and buy a country.
2: No, no, no. <laughs> I said rainy, cloudy weather, nowhere sunny. True. It's me. I'm talking about me. Now you guys, you guys go to your son. I'm going to where it's rainy.
0: <laughs> but unfortunately, with this one, they did leave two bank tellers injured. They weren't shot, but they were like, they got the shit kicked out of them because these guys went in and they were like these, I'm guessing the tellers weren't necessarily cooperating with them. So they got try to flex up like yeah. get the hell out of here. Yeah. They got, they got slapped around a little bit. Um, they thought that the 2 million, that they thought that 2 million would be waiting for them. Um, but due to some new security measures, because at this point in time, LA was like fucking bank robbery central. Like there was banks getting robbed um, three to four times a day. In some of these places. Um, well, so,
1: plus heightened. I mean, because shit was just going down in L.A. Right. In California at the time. I mean, 90s was
0: just. California was a goddamn war zone in the 90s. Yeah,
1: it was a shit, cent- cent- <clears throat> shit central. Right. I mean, it was just horrible. So
0: they thought. So that-
2: to say, escape from L.A. would be a thing. Yes. Boom. <laughs>
0: Bruce but, Campbell. He's a man. Snake Pliskin. No, Bruce Campbell. I know. He was in it. He's a man. I still have to, I still don't remember him being in that.
2: He was the doctor. The one that was all at, trying to do the uh trying to harvest Snake Pliskins one eye. Fuck.
0: Okay. Yeah, the plastic I get, surgery. I gotta find it.
2: I so, will take your word for it.
1: So,
0: like I said, they, they thought that there'd be two million dollars waiting for him, but uh the new security measures, uh, a significant portion of the money had been collected two days earlier. So the <coughs> the idea for their eight minute in and out roll that they had was a combination of trying to figure out police response time. Did they watch Point Blank? A oh, Point Break? Nope. It came from that and the fact that these guys were watching almost constantly when they were not robbing banks the 1995 Michael Mann classic, Heat. Woo! Henry Rollins! Fucking awesome movie. Have you ever seen it?
2: No. Al Pacino.
0: Watch it Robert for next week.
2: I got to... Who else is in there? Tom Sizemore. Tom
0: Sizemore. Henry uh, Rollins Val again. Val Kilmer.
2: Henry Rollins again. Dude, it was a
0: good fucking movie.
2: One of the best movies I've ever seen, not to date, but definitely one of the, my favorite movies. Like, one of those when it must comes to, own and when must watch. When it comes watch.
0: to crime movies, it is, like, top five.
2: And you get two of the greatest actors ever to live together. Yeah. Henry Rollins and Val Kilmer. <laughs> I was joking. Folks, we're talking about Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Get on the same page. Even though Val
0: Kilmer was good in it, too. Dude, handsome man. Pretty boy. Even if he's in tubby form, he's still a handsome man. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was so fucking thrilled when I found this out, because I was like, I get to watch Heat as a reference point. Huh. Oh, hold on. Twist my arm. Oh, oh there God, it is. God. I'm sorry, man. So I went on Netflix, and I'm like watching it. I'm like, as I'm watching it, I'm reading through stuff, and I'm like, holy shit, this makes so much sense. like, they, they took the... Um, the idea to sew a stopwatch into your forearm or your glove from that movie
2: so you could just look down if you have yep. your gun up you can look down at it exactly you, you come in
0: you you know have your rifle up or if you're just wearing it's like down your like this hand. and you set your your stopwatch you can just you can you don't have to move your hand you just glance down okay yeah. we're on time we got it we're getting close we got to hurry up
2: as long as it's on your trigger hand so that way if you're ever coming up and you know if you're getting into a gunfight or if you have to pull up you can automatically look to make sure it's not going to eat up your time. Exactly, but
0: here's here's something where it comes to the, when it comes to the watches. This is this will kind of go into show the different levels of preparation that each one of these guys would you put got in. Those
2: watches that have the little calculator in them.
0: No, no, they were just regular like cheap I ass stopwatches. Still
2: want one of those?
0: But not. We're not talking about
2: Apple phone. <laughs> we're not talking about your like iPhone or whatever watch thing. No, we're talking about the old school Timex ones that had the little Casio. tiny buttons. Casio. Casio Texas Instrument, whatever they were, <laughs> doesn't matter. But I here's here's
0: look. here's the difference in preparation between these two guys. Larry Phillips when he put his watch together on his on his glove or his forearm or wherever he had it, sewed it into the fabric. Emil Modiserrano taped it on. This is going to become a kind of a a thing with these two when we get into the big time bank robbery when we start talking about the body armor
2: one super ocd like ultra compulsive about it making sure everything is down to the letter dot every t yep cross every i
0: exactly perfect um i did that on purpose so you know but where we're getting up to now is we are getting up to the big show February 28th, 1997, Larry Phillips and Emil Matasaranu arrive at the Bank of America-owned bank at 6600 Laurel Canyon Boulevard in a blue 1987 Chevy Celebrity that they had spray-painted white. Side note, my grandmother had a 1988 Chevy Celebrity station wagon that was brown that I smashed my head open on the back of. I I thought you
2: were going to say it was spray-painted... Purple. Nope.
0: Hey, this one right here, that scar on my eyebrow on that side, that is from the Chevy logo on the back of it because I was running up my driveway and I tripped over a baseball bat and kissed the trunk and split my head wide open.
2: Um, God, you are the definition of a klutz.
0: Yeah, exactly. Huh? June had one of these too. Okay. Yeah. So the two exited the car at 9.17 a.m. after getting loaded up on phenobarbital, which is uh, muscle relaxant. And, uh, that, uh, Mata Serrano had prescribed to him as an anticonvulsant, and they used it's a the, blood thinner. yeah, they used it to keep themselves calm and it was essentially like taking a volume, but another fun story, phenobarbital is the same stuff that those whack jobs at heaven's gate killed themselves with that and vodka and apple juice, applesauce.
2: Doesn't matter. We're not talking about that. Nope. We're talking about this.
0: Um, but they, they did this to keep themselves calm. Uh, they both walked towards the bank and. One armed with a Chinese-made Narenko Type 56 sports deer rifle, and the other had a Narenko Type 56, just the regular Type 56. The difference was one had a uh, a shorter foregrip with a I'm sorry, a shorter handguard with a foregrip on it. The other was just a stock standard, cheap AK. They approached. Who had the, the Barbie? What's that? Who had the Barbie gun? It doesn't say. You but know, you know. I'm guessing it was I'm guessing it was Mata Serrano. Because he was the gun guy.
2: Oh, I was going to say it was no the other way, way around. Because yeah. I feel like the one that would want to make sure to have control of the firearm at all times. He's very obsessive, compulsive about everything else. He wants to make sure that the weapon he is using has the best that he can put on it. Because he does not want failure. The other one's like, I'm a gun nut. I own it. doesn't matter. That's true. When in doubt, I'll throw it at you like yeah, a but, spear.
0: Well, yeah, I, it's I, a I baseball could, bat. <laughs>
2: pretty much. I could see both, though. I mean, because one's a gun
1: nut. One's, one's not. One... You know, knows what he wants in the gun. Right. Yeah, yeah,
0: okay. But they they approached the bank with their Chinese AKs wearing full body armor. And as they entered the building, they each fired a salvo of rounds into the ceiling and told everybody, get on the floor right now or we will kill you. So that's where we're going to leave this part off until next week stay um,
2: tuned for station identification. I did want to bring Brutal. up I
0: did want to bring up something with the other two bank robberies that would also be the same with this one. Mm-hmm. When they went in, Larry Phillips would stay in the lobby and do crowd control. Emil Modisono would go to the teller door which had um they called them bandit bar- uh, bandit barriers. So it was essentially a metal door with Lexan on the top, Lexan on the bottom, which would stop your pistol rounds. Mm-hmm. But when you fire 20, 30 AK rounds through it at seven, six, two rounds. You're going to blow it right off the hinges. No problem. And you're in. So he would go in, find whoever was in charge, like bank manager, whatever. And rough them up a little bit. Be like, take me to the vault, fill my bag. I think the reasoning for this is because Mata Serrano was legitimately the smarter of the two. And I'm sorry. uh, Phillips was the smarter of the two. And Mata Serrano was essentially the muscle because he was a big motherfucker, six foot one, two hundred and sixty pound bodybuilder. You see that guy walking at you, you are going to do whatever he's telling you.
1: Well, also, wouldn't it be because Phillips? I mean, you wouldn't want Mata Serrano talking. You wouldn't want him to talk exactly
0: because, because he would,
1: he's, he's he's has, has a, got a Romanian sp- accent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's he would be easier to identify. Exactly. But you couldn't physically identify these guys because they're going in in all black in ski masks. So you all you see is their eyes. But the other th- I really think it's because Larry Phillips was the smarter of the two and he knew how to control people, like with his fucking man robot walking through banks. Um but that's also good. you
2: probably could have seen him as disposable. Right, exactly. That if something happens to him out back there, he's like, Well, I got the easy exit. Yep. I can get out of here, I'll take everything that I can and dump everything else.
0: Exactly. So we're going to leave it at that for this week and next week. We're going to come back and probably finish it up. That was. So I've been working on this one for a long time. (laughs) Heavy. But that's, that's not even like what I just did here. What we just did here was like a third of the research that I've done for this, because this is where you start getting into a lot of, a lot of things happening at the same exact time like you have stuff going on in the bank at the same time where there's stuff going on outside of the bank and you have to talk about both sides of it to have it all line up and make sense and be cohesive. Um, But we're going to leave it there. We're going to come back next week and we're going to finish this thing up. So hopefully, (laughs) hopefully. Yeah. Um, So again, if you are in the market for some good ass headphones, go over to studio.com S U D I O.com. And you, uh, you find your headphones, put them in your cart. When you buy them, put in dark windows at the promo code. Get 15% off because we love you people. And if you want to get $2 off of a hobby holder... Where you go? You tell me.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to do a model. I was going <laughs> to let you. I was like, let's see what happens here. You head over to GameEnvy.net. I already said all the fun stuff in the beginning, folks. So if you weren't paying attention, that's on you. And you can... Pick out some sweet, sweet, delicious hobby tools, and then go to checkout. You put in that promo code Broadstone at checkout, and you'll save yourself some money. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to keep it short (laughs) and sweet because you hit this out of the park. I'm leaving it alone, and I'm worried about next week.
0: I'm not super worried, but it's going to be... uh...
2: I know the end of the story, but knowing more of the backstory of the main story...
1: That's, that's why I mostly I just Booby-dee. shut the hell up and was like, <laughs> I'm going to listen because I remember seeing this on TV, you know, being a 17-year-old. I was like, holy shit, watching the TV <laughs> in the morning, you know, before going to school or in the afternoon because, you know, I mean, that's what you did, you know, because this was close to Iraq War One or whatever. It was at,
0: this is after that. This was 97. Yeah. That so, you,
1: you know, CNN was big and you got to listen to it. Yeah. Watching all that stuff. I mean, so you kind of pay attention to it. And I mean, I was like, holy shit, two fucking
0: wackos just, you know, lit the fuck up on a police. That's crazy. And I'm going to have, I'm going to have some sound clips inserted in the next one um, of the police radio chatter outside because some of it is absolutely like it's, it's gutting to listen to some of the stuff that these guys are going through where they're just like, these are just cops that showed up to do their job. And the next thing they know, they're in a fucking war zone. You know, to think that two guys can legitimately out arm and out fight an entire huge police department is incredible to me.
2: Well, I know we're going to talk about it next week, but you got to think about it like what we've talked about off air. Those cops had, what, probably revolvers and shotguns. They
0: were they were saying... Uh, some of them
2: maybe had Glocks, and then these guys are rolling in with fully automatic weapons.
0: Homemade body armor. Homemade
2: body armor. They had a plan. They had initiative. They knew what they were doing. These guys were showing up thinking, oh, it's just probably some dirt bag with a pistol or yeah, that's what, a shotgun. Exactly. They're thinking some jackass maybe, with a pistol. Maybe a hunting rifle, not two people that literally have been studying and researching and planning and... Doing all this homework, right? That they—I guarantee—they're even now. You, no one had, no one had the training then for no. the, ready for this.
0: Uh, one of one of the numbers I saw—I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent true—but I'll I'll go into it a little bit more next week too. Um, we're only about a third of the police that showed up to do this had what would be considered an automatic pistol, like a Glock, where you don't have where it's not a revolver or something like that. Only about a third of them had those. The rest of these guys were showing up with pump-action, 12-gauge shotguns, and service revolvers. 38 service revolvers.
1: Oh, yeah, because they hadn't...
0: They, they hadn't completely switched over yet.
1: Yeah. Um, a service revolver was the was standard issue. F- forever. For, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I've i listened to some other other shows that have covered this topic, and they've done a really good job of it. I just, for me, I wanted to go into the background of these guys to see what made them tick, why they were the way they were. I well, didn't yeah, wanna...
2: I, no, I didn't know about the guy that came from two parents that were dirtbags. Yeah, and I knew the other guy. They said that I think he said he was of Romanian descent, but never knew really anything more about him. Right. So it's kind of interesting. and It lets you set the, gives you the setting of what happened, and why they were doing it, and who they were. More on a human sense rather than two mindless dirt bags right. that all intents and purposes you thought they were just robbing a bank and then decided to shoot up everybody
0: now one of the shows i listen to they do about an hour-long episode on it where they just mostly focus on the robbery itself what i like is they don't give these assholes any credit they don't mention larry phillips name once and they don't mention emil mata Serrano's name once either they just call them the suspects and i'm like that's awesome because if shit like that happened more frequently when there's like uh like school shootings where you're not giving the person that is doing this, any credit, you would see less of them because you would see less copycats of this bullshit where people can go, I can get my name in the news. If you just say a suspect, you don't put their picture up, you don't say their name, fuck them, they get no credit for what they did. I, that's them, how I feel about it at least.
2: Well, Also, it helps to kind of forget those people. Yep. Try not to remember their names. Because like, I can honestly tell you, I don't remember. I didn't remember their names until you said them because a lot of times it's just suspect A, suspect B and that's it where if you give them names people are going to research them and then there's it brings back those bad memories of right. people who lost their life and those one, the people who lost loved ones
0: and I, I will i will apologize in advance for next week there is going to be a lot of different names so if i confuse people i am super sorry but there were so many officers that were involved in this plus these two guys that i wanted to get the give... officers
2: deserve to be remembered exactly
0: like these guys are fucking heroes because who knows what these what these guys would have done if these if the cops hadn't shown up in time? Who knows if they would have just said, "Well, we didn't get as much money as we wanted out of this. Uh, empty your pockets." Oh, you're not going to? Okay, we'll just kill everybody in this bank then.
2: Things happen, man. Escalation is you know, a natural course of action.
0: So I want to, I definitely want to be able to give these police officers the credit that they deserve and earned for what they did with this because it it took balls to stand up to these guys. You know, yeah. but that's all I got for now.
1: Yeah. So if uh, <laughs> if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, you can uh, go check us out on pretty much most every everything. Yep. Wherever you get your podcast, we there. Yeah. Pretty much almost everything. You know, there's a few that we're not on, but you right. can check us out. Uh, Dark Windows podcast. Uh, and if you want to chat with us, check out uh, we're on Instagram at Dark Windows Pod.
0: Twitter at Dark Windows Pod. You can also find us on Facebook. Dark Windows Podcast on Facebook. We uh we're pretty I'm, I'm we're we're pretty active on there. Um like post goofy shit that's related to the show and stuff like that. Um most importantly, rate review. Rate review, subscribe, yeah. T- tell Send friends. Us an email. What's yeah. our email address our so email they can email address. us fun stuff? Our email address is darkwindowspod at gmail.com. Yeah. Tell a friend about the show. Tell a family member about the show. Tell somebody you don't even like about the show. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have to be friends with them have them listen to it. It's fine.
2: Well, maybe they'll like it. You might not like exactly. it. You might have tried it <laughs> once and be like, eh, not for me, but you would like this.
0: <laughs> I love how that's become like a running joke. I don't care. I love it. Three stars. Try it once, one again. <laughs> I totally want to do that as a t-shirt. That'd be excellent. But just because you can't see out into the dark... Doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Love you kisses. Later. Bye. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am
2: butting in here for a quick second to let everybody know, guess what? We have the winner of the very first, the inaugural, hopefully not the one time only, Broadstone underscore creations giveaway.
0: Invitational classic.
2: Ooh, invitational <laughs> classic because Makes everyone... Makes it sound like a golf tournament. Everyone was invited <laughs> And our wonderful winner who gets to win his very own Hobby Holder setup is... Mr. At7Sam with two Ms, 40K, a.k.a. Sam. Congratulations, Sam. So you, sir, get to win yourself your very own Hobby Holder setup, base and handle in the colors of your choice. I'll be contacting you. Hopefully, if you, if you haven't already gotten back to me, I'll keep contacting you and hook you up with that sweet code.